0: What's normally the first question we ask somebody who's lost a lot of weight? How did you do it? We want to know what is the secret to the success? Was it a particular diet? Did you become a vegetarian? Uh, Have you started training for the riverbank run? Are you eating smaller portion size? We want to know what's the formula you followed that led to success. Or if you come across a parent who's able to get their kids to go to bed at night with no struggle. What's the question we want to ask them? How are you doing this? Like what is the secret? Is it a routine, is there discipline, is it a special book that you do? Are you just praying all day that they'll go to bed at night? How do you do this? We want the secret for success. We want the formula to be successful. Or maybe if you've been given a business book to read, a book like, these are some of the books I've read recently, Netflix, No Rules Rules, or Change, How to Make Big Things Happen, or. Setting the Table, uh, The Transforming Power of Hospitality in Business. We read these books because we're looking for how. How do you do this? How can you be successful? How do you recruit people? How do you keep people? How do you train people? How do you make business work? We're looking for tips. How do you communicate in ways that are successful? Or maybe you find out that somebody is actually their stock investments are actually going up in a down market. Or you find out that somebody's been able to pay off their college debt. What's the question we want to know? How did you do it? Is it the Dave Ramsey plan? Is it the steps to financial peace? Do you have some sort of special stock-picking secret that the rest of us don't know about? These are the questions that we're asking. If you know somebody who had your English class the semester before and they got an A in it, we want to ask them, what's the secret? How do you study for these tests? When should you start on the final essay? How do you go through and make sure you're successful in this class? We love formulas for success. We like 10-step processes. We like to know, okay, look, if I do these things, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a good result at the end. Well, with that in mind, I'd actually like to share with you a secret, I don't know if it's secret, a formula for success from God's word that applies to almost every area of life. We're doing this because, as a church, we're going through the book of Genesis, and this morning we're looking at Jacob, and Jacob ends up very successful in his occupation. Now, his occupation is shepherd. He ends up successful in that occupation, and it's an opportunity for you and I to hear from God what is God's formula for success in work, in relationships, in neighborhoods, in ministry, in whatever area of life we want to apply this to. Now there's a warning as we get ready to do this. The story we're going to see of Jacob, he ends up financially really, really wealthy. And there is a danger when talking about success that we can define success using the world's standards. We want to be careful not to do that. Jacob does end up very wealthy and sometimes God chooses to bless and to give wealth as a result or as a measure of success, but he does not always and often doesn't do that but I don't want to miss the point as we look at this story, that Jacob did his job really well and that he experienced success in his job and that it's actually right and just and holy and good to desire success in areas of life rather than failure. As long as we understand That if God is making us successful, that doesn't mean we get straight A's. It doesn't mean we're the most popular kid in school. It doesn't mean that we never have financial troubles. It doesn't mean that our business never goes bankrupt. What success means, I think, is that given the sacrifice, the struggles, and the suffering that comes from following Jesus, there is still a thriving and a flourishing that happens. That's what we're looking for. There's going to be sacrifice, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be struggle. If you are a Christian, that is endemic to what it means to be a Christian. But within that sacrifice and suffering and struggle, success is a thriving and a flourishing, and an experiencing a blessing in all areas of life. So what does God have to say about such a thing? Well, in just a minute, we're gonna look at a story from the Old Testament that illustrates this, but I'd like to give you the formula for success from the New Testament because the Apostle Paul presents it in a very succinct and understandable way. So I'd like to talk through the formula, and then I'd like to show how it worked itself out in Jacob's life, so that we might see better how it will work itself out in our lives. The formula is articulated really well in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Paul is assessing his own life as an Apostle someone who definitely suffered definitely struggled definitely sacrificed but still experienced a thriving and a flourishing and a blessing of God and as he reflects on his own career this is what he says but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect no I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. In this formula for success, if you will, there are two parts. The first is the grace of God. What we mean by this is the kindness, the mercy, the unmerited favor of God whereby God does for us stuff that we have nothing to do with. He's simply kind to us and generous to us and blesses us and gives us things that we didn't work for, that we didn't earn, that we don't even deserve. And then secondly, Hard work. Hard work. Now the hard work also comes as a result of God's grace, meaning God teaches us to work hard. So in one sense you could say, okay, there's one thing that goes into all of this and that's God's grace. True. But this morning we're taking it in these two parts. God's grace to us And our hard work in response to God's grace. A quick example that might make clear what I'm trying to say. If you need a new car in your life and you're saving up for that car, what this formula is talking about is if God motivates a friend to give you half the money you need for that car, apart from anything you've done, just simply as a gift, well, that's God's direct grace to you. If God also provides you with a job raking leaves and mowing lawns and God helps you to work diligently at that job and God encourages you to finish and do the job well and when you get tired, God motivates you to continue doing it and when you think you're not earning enough money, he encourages you to keep going and you earn the rest of what is needed to buy that car through the hard work prompted by God's grace, that's what we're talking about. Both are part of this. A simply the gift from God that you and I did nothing to deserve, and the vigorous, hard, enduring work that we do as a result of God working in us. That is what God says will bring success. Now let's look at it in our story in Genesis. So if you have a Bible... Please turn in your Bible to page 25 if you're using one of the church Bibles. Genesis chapter, actually 24 and 25, because it's Genesis chapter 30 and 31. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible, and this is an opportunity as we're going through this book to kind of look at and understand things anew with a fresh perspective. So this morning we're thinking about this formula for success. This idea that part of it is God's grace to us and part of it is our hard work as a result of God's grace to us. Well what we have in these two chapters is in Genesis 30 we have the story and in Genesis 31 we have the analysis of the story. So we don't have time to read both of these chapters, so let me do this. I'm going to retell the story from Genesis 30, and then we'll look at Jacob's analysis of his own story in Genesis 31. Where we are in the story in Genesis 30 is that Jacob has been working for his uncle Laban for 14 years for the right to be able to marry Laban's daughters. During this time that he's been working, Jacob has not been getting any wages. Now he has housing and he has food he's taken care of by Laban, that's part of what it means to be in the workforce. But he's not earning any money for himself. So after 14 years, Jacob sits down with Laban and says, hey look, I'd like to renegotiate the contract. I finished what I contractually owed you uh, as a price to be able to marry your daughters. Now I'd like to talk about my wages going forward. During the 14 years, Jacob has become an excellent shepherd. And Laban has really been blessed because Jacob has worked and done such a good job. And so Jacob's actually in a pretty good bargaining position because Laban really needs Jacob. And Jacob knows that he is the reason why Laban has been so successful. So he sits down with Laban and says, I want to raise Actually, what he says is, I'd like to own part of the company. And Jacob says, look, you got all the sheep. You get all the profits from all the hard work. I'd like to see a part of that. Now, I can imagine Laban sitting there going, "Uh uh-oh, what's he going to ask for? Because I probably got to give him whatever he's going to ask for. We can't have this guy leave. But then, surprise, surprise, Jacob offers Laban terms that nobody in their right mind will refuse. Now, when you read the story, the terms are a little confusing, so let me try to explain them as clearly as I can. Jacob says to Laban, I got a deal for you. Here's what we'll do. Right now, Laban has one big, giant flock of sheep and goats. Jacob says, I'll go through the flock, and I'll take out all the sheep that are speckled, or or spotted, or uh, uh, dark, or anything that might not be considered pristine, We'll take all of those speckled and spotted sheep and goats out and those will be your sheep and goats and all of the sheep that are left, the sort of white, pristine, beautiful sheep, those will also be your sheep and goats and from this group, when this group produces more sheep and goats, any of the white, pristine, beautiful sheep and goats that come out of this group, those will be yours too And any of the speckled and spotted or darker sheep or goats that this group produces, those will be mine. So you'll get all the ones that come from this group over here. And you'll get all the white, pristine, beautiful sheep that come from this group over here. And Jacob says, I'll get the speckled or spotted or darker sheep or goats that come from this group. Now Laban thinks this is a good deal. Because he thinks well, if all you've got are the white, pristine sheep, they're not going to give birth to speckled and spotted ones. So he immediately agrees, and he's like, deal. Now, Laban is a deceiver, and when you get a deceiver, they don't trust anybody because they're always tricking everybody. And so Laban doesn't wait for Jacob to go through the flocks. Laban does it. He goes through his giant flock and he sorts them, but not just by speckled design. He looks for any sheep or goat that has any white spot on them whatsoever. He takes all of those, and then he gives them to other workers, and sends them a three days journey away. So there is no possible chance that there is interbreeding, inbreeding between that group and the white pristine sheep and goats that he leaves with Jacob. Now, at this moment, everything is still Laban's. That group over there is off with other workers, and they're taking care of them, speckled and spotted and dark sheep. This group here, the white pristine sheep and goats, this is under Jacob's care. Now, in my mind, and I'd like you to do this too, put on sort of your imagining cap. I'm trying to think, okay, what does Jacob do at this moment? And I picture him sitting down at his computer, going on the internet, and Googling sheep breeding. And I imagine that he gets to a website that says, all you need to know about sheep breeding, how to breed speckled and spotted sheep and goats. And Jacob is anxiously reading this page, how do you breed speckled and spotted sheep? And on this page, there is a simple two-step process. Step number one, Find yourself some branches from poplar um, almond and I can't remember that oh, bruce trees. And what you do is you get the branches and you peel back the bark so the white insides of the branches are showing. Step one. Step two: place the branches in the troughs in front of the sheep or the goats as they're mating, and they will give birth to speckled or spotted sheep. Huh? So Jacob's like, it's on the internet, it must be true. (laughs) So he does this. This is his plan. He's got the secret sheep breeding success formula. And so he does this very thing. Now Jacob's a smart guy and he thinks, well look, if all we do is produce speckled or spotted sheep, Laban's going to find out about this internet page and then he's not going to go let this deal go forward anymore. So Jacob decides we still got to produce some white pristine sheep. And so what Jacob does is anytime the stronger sheep are mating, he does the whole like see a white branch, produce a speckled sheep deal for them. When the weaker sheep are mating, he doesn't do that whole branch thing. He skips step one and step two, doesn't do those things and lets them give birth to white weak sheep and those end up being Laban's. The final verse of chapter 30 tells us what happens, verse 43, it's page 25. In this way, the man, Jacob, grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. So Jacob is incredibly successful he becomes exceedingly prosperous. And in chapter 31, it's like Jacob is asked the question, what is the secret to your success? And Jacob tells us, using the two things we saw from 1 Corinthians 15. Let's start with the second one first, the hard work one. So Genesis 31, verses 38 to 42. Here Jacob's in an argument with Laban about how successful Jacob has been. And Jacob says, you want to know why I was successful? Here's part of it. I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would have surely sent me away empty-handed, but God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands. And last night he rebuked you. Jacob has worked incredibly hard at being a shepherd. He has toiled night and day. We talked a couple of weeks ago. The job of shepherd is not an easy job. It is an all-consuming job. And Jacob went after it full bore. This is what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 15. He's like, I worked harder than everybody else. The secret to success, a big portion of that, is how hard are you willing to work? And Jacob works hard. Now, when we say work hard, we don't just mean work vigorously. That's certainly part of it. But to work in a way that is honoring to God. This is what we mean when we say the grace of God teaches us to work hard. Titus 2, verse 12 says it this way. God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. For the most part, Jacob works at his job with honor and integrity. To work hard is not just to sort of work long hours. Jacob is working diligently and vigorously at his job in accordance with how God himself has taught Jacob to work. With endurance, with patience, with willingness to even be cheated by Laban, with going forward and dealing with the elements and all of the stress and all of the struggle, with loving his sheep and taking care of them. Jacob has worked the way God's grace has taught him to work. Galatians 6 says this as well about God's grace. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. God does not bless laziness. God is not for quitting. God is about endurance. Yes, difficult things, hard nights, long, arduous work. Jacob worked hard. He toiled at his job. He did so because God taught him to work hard. That's what Paul means. When he says, I worked hard, it was the grace of God enabling me to work hard. And if you ask Jacob, what's the secret of your success He's like, I worked for it. God taught me to work. I got up early, I stayed up late, I worked hard. When I was cheated, I chose not to take it out. I didn't become bitter and I didn't become angry. I did my job to the best of the ability as the Lord gave it to me to do. The Lord's the one who invented work. The The Lord is the one who set the proper boundaries. The Lord is the one who teaches us to work at things faithfully and diligently, with discipline and self-control. Jacob does that, and Jacob experiences success. The second part of Jacob's success, which is actually what Paul mentioned first, is back in Genesis 31, verse five. Here, he's been asked by Rachel and Leah to explain his success. This is what Jacob says. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages 10 times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled one will be your wages, then all the flocks give birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked one will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. Now you gotta understand very carefully what's going on here because it's a little tricky. Question, don't answer this out loud, just kind of think it to yourself. Why did Jacob ask for the deal terms he did for the speckled and spotted and dark sheep. Why were these the terms he asked for from Laban? It's because God told him in a dream to do that. This dream Jacob has comes before the deal. God, apart from anything Jacob did to earn it, and last week we saw Jacob is full of sin and dysfunction and failure, But before Jacob does anything, God gives him a dream and says, in the dream, you want the speckled, the spotted, and the dark ones. Ask for those. So when Jacob goes into the negotiations, this is why he goes for the speckled, and the streaked, and the dark sheep and goats. God's told him, this is what you want. Second question, again, don't answer out loud. Where did Jacob come up with the idea for the branches? Probably from the version of the internet that existed back then. This is probably local legend. So while we are not saying, and I do not believe that God told him to do the branches thing, I think Jacob has figured out, okay, I got this system that's going to work. I've got this whole branches thing. God's not involved in the system. But notice at the end of the life when Jacob is asked, what made you successful? He doesn't mention the the sheep breeding system at all. I mean, if you think about it, it's nonsense. (laughs) Never have sheep or goats, then or now, ever given birth to speckled or streaked young because they're looking at a branch. It doesn't make any sense, especially when you read the story, a white branch. Why would looking at a white branch cause white sheep to give birth to speckled or spotted young? It's nonsense. And you and I are supposed to realize it's nonsense. The system didn't do anything. It was God. God miraculously providing for Jacob. Jacob picked a goofy system but God chose to honor it. To ask for speckled and spotted sheep, that was God's idea. Just simply grace, pure and simple. The fact that God chose to honor this weird system that Jacob's come up with, also God's grace. And by the end, when Jacob looks back, he realizes it wasn't sort of just good luck that I ended up with this system. The system had nothing to do with it. How did Jacob end up successful? It was the grace of God. He's like, no matter what Laban did, God was on my side. And when my wages got changed, God was on my side. He's not talking about the system anymore at all because the system has faded from view. And Jacob realizes it was the grace of God and my hard work Taught to me by the grace of God. And that, my friends, is the formula for success. In whatever area of life you want to apply it to. You see, we need God's grace because none of us by nature are hard workers. We're all lazy, we're all quitters, we all prefer comfort. None of us wants to go back and redo all of our math tests and and fix our mistakes. None of us wants to throw away our draft and rewrite something again. None of us wants to keep working or throw out a sermon and rewrite it when it doesn't work. None of us want to do that. We are not by nature disciplined people. We are not by nature structured people. We like to do the things we like to do. But that's not what brings you success. Brings you success is doing your job the way God would do your job. And God is faithful. He's diligent. He's self-controlled. And he's disciplined. We need God's grace because we are not by nature those things. But God knows that when we work hard, we then are exercising the faith in God for him to be able to work through us. And so God's grace teaches us to work hard teaches us to be disciplined. It teaches us to take breaks, to have Sabbath rest. God's grace teaches us to be faithful. God's grace teaches us to trust him when we're being cheated. God's grace teaches us to give him our best. And when you and I do that in whatever area of life, we will experience success. Not unbridled money and, 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 and luxury, but a thriving and a flourishing and a blessing. We also need God's grace because the world in which we're working is not right or just or fair. The world in which we live looks a lot more like Laban's rules than it does like Jesus. Racial, age, educational, gender discrimination exist in our world. It sometimes makes our hard work not enough. Bosses don't always pay the right salary. Wages get changed. Schools sometimes overcharge for tuition. Teachers don't always give the right grades. Coaches don't always pick the right people for particular positions. This world is not full of justice and righteousness and fairness. It's full of cheaters and liars. And people will take advantage of us. But God's grace is at work in the midst of that. If it was just hard work, we wouldn't make it because the the rules are set against us. But we need God's grace. God's intervention in the midst of injustice. God fighting for us when no one else is fighting for us. God taking our faithful efforts And causing them to bear fruit even when they're unappreciated by people around us and finally we need God's grace because systems don't actually work we look at this put branches and feeding troughs and have sheep mate in front of them and we think well that is weird we know a lot better than that biology teaches us that could never happen I wonder which of the systems we are adhering so faithfully to 30 or 40 or 50 years from now, people are gonna look at and say, well, that's not the right way to go about being healthy. That was a foolish way to invest in the stock market. That was a silly way to do those things. Or I wonder which of the systems you and I are holding so tenaciously to that the angels in heaven look at and go, but that's not how this works. You and I, we love systems. We love formulas. We love success. But the problem is, is there's no success with the system. The success comes from God. And in many ways, the system is somewhat immaterial. We may end up with a goofy system for doing the things, but if the grace of God is with us, he may choose to honor the goofiness of our system with blessing. Why? Not because the system is so great, but because he's so gracious. Next week, we're going to talk about that work hard piece, the most important aspect of the work hard piece. So there's more to say about this. But today, I want to leave you with just this. This is God's formula for success. You can apply it at school, work, volunteerism relationships whatever area you can think of this is god's formula the grace of god and our hard work taught to us by the grace of god and if you and i would take our eyes off trying to find the magic formula trying to figure out if you do these four magic things hop around and turn around the kids go right to sleep If we stop thinking, okay, you eat this and don't eat that and do this and don't do that, then you'll be perfectly healthy and never have any problems. If we stop trying to think, okay, well, sell when the the stock gets here and do this when it gets there and make sure your budget looks like this and only have this and that. I'm not saying it's bad to do those kinds of things, but it's so easy to put your faith in that. Success comes because God is a gracious, generous, kind God who loves you. And gives you and I stuff we don't deserve. And he teaches us to be like him and to work diligently, faithfully, with integrity, vigorously, enduring all sorts of difficulty and struggle, and to work and to work and to work as God teaches us to work. When you and I do these two things, rely on the grace of God and work in accordance with how God's grace teaches us to work. The Bible says, then you'll be prosperous in a spiritual sense. Then you'll be successful. Then you'll experience the blessing, the thriving, the flourishing that God has for us. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.